Hello and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we talk about Blizzard and other video games, not just ones from Blizzard. And I managed to come back and do a reasonably okay intro, considering Joe literally just bombed us all with laughter. Uh, <laughs> I'm Matt. I'm the host. With me this week are my two fantastic co-hosts, Liz Harper, the EIC and overall Grand High Booba of Blizzard Watch. Say hi, Liz. Howdy. And Joe, he, he literally just he just mercered me. He literally just mercered me. Perez. <laughs> Hey everybody! You should listen to the pre-show. It's great. Yeah. It's worth it. The pre-show is is where we come off the chain quite a bit. Um, it's been an interesting week. I when I first wrote the podcast email, I put a little thing in about how I was going to keep the news part light because there wasn't that much stuff. I didn't even finish the email past that point when World of Warcraft Dragonflight pre-orders started. Yeah. And there's stuff to talk about there. And then Liz mentioned, oh, but there's also all this Overwatch stuff you missed. And I'm like, how did I miss all this Overwatch stuff? Because it was really <laughs> happening at the same time. Again, we were recording, and then all of a sudden this stuff was going up. So there will, in fact, be quite a bit of stuff we talk about. I'm hoping really hard we get to some of these emails, because we have not in a couple weeks. And I feel really bad. But we're going to jump in and try and talk about some stuff right now. Uh, f- first up, the Dragonflight pre-order uh, went live today. It had two things, one of which, for some reason, I focused on more than the other, which I shouldn't <laughs> have. Uh, and even I, I even knew it because in the headline I wrote for it, I mentioned the thing that was actually important. And then I put it in the second paragraph. Sometimes I'm weird. Um, but yeah, Dragonflight's pre-orders are out. And in the Dragonflight pre-orders, in small text, just underneath the price point for the uh, various tiers of the expansion, they have a little thing saying... The, the, the expansion will release on or before December 31st, 2022. Yep. Which means, A, they're saying it's going to be before the end of Q4 this year. And B, they didn't say it was going to be on or before any time next year, which they could have easily done, which means they're pretty sure they're getting that thing out before the point of that, you know, that pre-order. They, they're reasonably confident they can they can say that. Or they wouldn't have said that because it would have cost them nothing to say it was coming out in March or June. They could have easily done that and then said, oh, no, it's done and put it out whenever they wanted. Liz, when do you think this thing's coming out? Uh, I think we're probably looking at, you know, early December. That'd just be my guess. I would like to see it earlier. I'd love to see it this fall, you know, October, September. Um, Well, October was when they thought, wasn't October when they thought Shadowlands was going to come out? Yeah, I think you're right. It was originally mid-October. So maybe they're aiming for that um, again? I, I really feel like it's going to be close to the end of the year. And they're going to want to get it out well before Christmas. So that's kind of why I'm thinking early December. They want to get it out before the holidays hit. Um, but even that, that's a pretty ambitious schedule, considering we haven't seen a beta come out yet. And we don't have full information about everything to give feedback and for them to react to feedback. So... Yeah, basically, that's why I feel it's it's going to be later, later this year. Joe? Yeah, so Liz and I have a guildy, uh, Corv, who charts this stuff out because that's what he does for fun. I see you, Corv. Hi. <laughs> um, he basically has charted the uh, fastest that they've gone from, like, announced to launch, and of the, according to his math, and I'm quoting him here, the absolute fastest they've ever gone announced to launch is 284 days for Battle for Azeroth. Matching that would put us at January 28th, so we're setting record speed here. <laughs> Matching the fastest announced to, to beta would be BFA again, 
at 96 days. So, yeah, I'm really, really curious if we're actually going to get out into by December. I have concerns, uh, but it's interesting that they are targeting end of year for release. Yeah. One of the things I thought about is, first off, I like Liz's idea because um, my birthday is in the first week of December. So that would be nice. <laughs> um, I got you did that for me once. They put Cataclysm out on my birthday. Uh, I remember that. So go ahead and do it again cool but also it's interesting to me because like you're pointing out i mean i didn't know the specific dates but i've done a lot of looking at the 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 time that expansions last and how long the quote-unquote content lull is and we're kind of in the shadowlands content lull right now but we haven't had the season four stuff happen yet no Uh, so they have they've got some content still to do that hasn't even started yet yeah they've got stuff coming and what's interesting to me about that then is are we going to see them put out season four, say it's, it's June now it's mid June. Um, if they put out season four in July or August, and then it lasts September and October, you're looking at almost no content. lull. yeah, which is good, but it's also, good, but it's unprecedented. It's unprecedented. It, I and mean, we knew that Dragonflight was further along than they had discussed. Um, I, again, because of some of the radical changes coming, that worries me. Um, but it would be really fascinating because we've often talked about it, especially on this podcast, about what is your release cadence? What can you do to remove content lulls? We don't want to be two years in Siege of Orgrimmar. Well, we're not going to be now. Uh, so even even if it were to release, release, let's say if it doesn't make December for whatever reason, even if it releases shortly thereafter, it's that's crazy quick. Yeah, if it came out in January, it would still be really fast. Yeah. It could come out and jan- quite frankly, I, I'm I'm I would not be surprised if they do a you know it's not coming out for another few weeks post at some point because they did that I, with uh with um with Shadowlands they did that with Shadowlands yeah, and I, I think go ahead I think they really do not want to do that I think that we're badly on them when they do that mm-hmm. and you know it's it's a big PR backlash everyone's unhappy when they say this is the release date and then they push it back so I. I think they aren't going to want to. And I agree with Matt that they wouldn't put this date out there if they weren't pretty confident in it. And yeah, I, I definitely think that. I agree, but also there's the other side of the coin where people will backlash if it gets delivered even on time and it's not working properly or it's not fully done. Like, I remember Battle for Azeroth releasing, and that was one of the chief like vocalizations that a lot of people had to complain with the game is that it felt unfinished. It was really Azerite armor that they hated. It was, but it was, I mean... Specifically the unfinished nature of it. That they, that I remember people, one of the real comments on it was, we told you back in the beta that this was this, and you left it exactly the way it was. And, and here's yeah. my concern again with the rapid mm-hmm. cadence of it and them doing what they're doing with like the talent system and class reworks that go along with it. There's a really good chance of that happening again. Like, it could be Azerite armor all over again. I don't but want it to be. For right now, yeah. For right now, we don't know. So I am going to move on to the other thing about uh, the, the the announcement, the, uh, the the pre-order page. Basically, there's going to be three versions of Dragonflight, uh, like they did for Shadowlands, and I think they did for Battle for Azeroth before. Technically four, right? Uh, yeah, well, one of them's a, a purely physical copy. Um, but for, for if you have, if you want to spend the money, you can get just base a Dragonflight 
for fifty dollars USD, which I believe Liz is the one who told me you'd you'd know ten dollars more than it was. Yeah, everything's gone up by ten dollars. Yeah, and um, the uh, the next tier up is uh, I can't remember what it's called. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> I wrote the post, but I've already forgotten. Um, but the next tier up is the one that has the uh, the level sixty character boost and like a mount and a pet, an extra pet and so forth. That's the the seventy dollar USD one. It's like eighty four bucks up here in Canada. Um, and the final one is the ninety dollar USD one, which has a ton of like a transmog hat, a series of winged cloak transmogs. That's actually it's one item that gives you five transmogs mm-hmm. because it can be red, blue, black, uh, bronze, or green, green dragon wings. Yep to match the five dragon flades. So that's all really cool. Um, there's also, and this is Maticus. I got to shout out to Matt Lowe. Uh, Maticus, uh, he's the one that pointed us this out in uh, work chat. There's also a collector's edition for like 170, I think. And I'm One, not sure if that's Canadian or US. That's Canadian. 120. 120, okay. 129 US. Okay, 129 US. Uh, so it goes up, up to around 170 dollars. Up $10 from the last ones. Yeah. So... Uh, one of my friends uh, used to work at Blizzard and now is working uh, for Zynga. She she pointed out that the amount of inflation we've seen in the past few months is really high. And that this increase is likely related to that kind of thing just because it costs a lot of money to pay people. It like, does. Even though even in a company that is not paying people what they deserve, it's still, you know, people, they, they, need, they do need to pay people. So I'm not too upset about the pay increase, but it is an increase. It is. I mean, and it's rare for World of Warcraft to get those. I like the the, the subscription price is still the same. It it is, and I think that's one of the the interesting things about it is the the price has largely stayed low, possibly because of that. But we've we've had a discussion before of like the price of video games hasn't really changed until recently. Like back in ye olden days of the eight bit Nintendo Entertainment System, <laughs> when you went to you know. Uh, the local five and dime to pick up your brand new copy of duck hunt. It was six, <laughs> it was 60 bucks or 55 or whatever it was. I still have like Toys R Us cartridges from there that have the sticker on them. And think about that 1980 some odd, you're getting these late eighties, early nineties. And then prices stayed largely that way up until what PS five and the new Xbox release. And then they went up another 10 bucks and we saw a little bit of a creep in like, PC games as well, but those also largely stayed fairly low between forty and sixty bucks for a long time. Yeah, so, price stagnation has been pretty pretty much prevalent in the video game industry. Yeah, for better or for worse. Yeah, so I mean, honestly, if if everything's going up ten bucks in the grand scheme of things, I'm not overly upset. Also, I will be, I personally will be buying the uh, collector set uh, because I have a soft spot for the art books, which. Again, shout out to Maticus who sent me all the ones I was missing when I couldn't secure the uh, collector's editions. Uh, but yeah, that's worth the extra money to me. Not so much the uh, and the pin. Oh, it comes with pins. Sweet. It comes with pins. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think at this point we've talked about it as much. Unless there's Liz, unless there's something else you want to say about it. I got nothing. Okay, then we're going to move on to something you reminded us we should talk about. Um there's a lot of stuff about Overwatch 2. Um, Overwatch 2, first off, it's going to be free to play. I know we mentioned that last yeah. week, but I really but we, feel like mentioning it again. And uh, we we had a stream this past week about uh, more Overwatch 2 stuff. So that's what happened. Talk about the seasonal PvE content. 
I think, because I think uh, that's important. Okay, we don't really know literally anything about the PvE content except that it is coming. Um, the thing is, the whole game is switching to a seasonal model where we'll, we'll they'll have nine week seasons, and each season will either have a new hero or a new map. So you're going to get a really regular cadence of content, which I think is important because in Overwatch 1, it's really stagnated towards the end of its lifespan. It's really gone, and there's been nothing new for a very long time. Like so, it, it usually since 2019, right? Because when the Overwatch 2 trailer <laughs> launched, that was... They, they kind of stopped, yeah. yeah. It's like we've had new events... Not new events, but like the same events come up and there are skins and sometimes there's something a little new in there, but mostly the game has stayed the same. So Overwatch 2 is coming out of the gate and saying, okay, we're going to have these nine week seasons. Every season is going to have something new. Um, and they also said that in 2023, we're going to start getting PVE content seasonally. And that's about all we know is that they're going, they're planning to release PVE content seasonally next year. We don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know if it's going to cost money. We don't know anything about it except that it's coming next year. There's going to be some tied to the seasons. We don't know if it's going to be every season they're going to drop a little bit. We're going to find out. Uh, the other thing is that they're going to have a battle pass system. Yep. Which, yeah, I mean, y'all have seen these in a lot of games. Where, you know, you do things in game and you earn things in the battle pass. There are no more loot boxes, but there will be an in-game store where you can directly buy things. This is, again, a system that we don't know a lot about. We don't know if there will be an in-game currency that you can use to buy things in the shop. Or if the shop will be cash only. So, uh, I still have a lot of questions about this. I, and, I, I have uh, a theory. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Go, 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 go. It's going to be it's going to be a specialized currency. That's what it always is. Uh, looking at games that do this and do this really, really well. Look at Fortnite. Look at League of Legends. Look at mm -hmm. all of the free to play games. Even Magic the Gathering Arena does this. You cannot almost always uh, cannot use direct money to do the transaction. There are reasons for that. Um, partially there's a psychology because you can never get your total to zero that's specifically designed that way in almost every single one of these games. And if you have, let's say 200 fictitious coins sitting in your wallet and it costs, uh, 800 to buy something, but you can only buy them in 1000 increments, you're going to more likely to buy the 1000 increment at whatever arbitrary price is set for real money, spend your 800 and then have 200 left over that goes into your bank. And that cycle repeats uh, in such a way that you can never get your total to zero, which is at, something that Xbox pioneered way back when 100% Xbox. Points. Yeah. I was going to say Microsoft yeah. points and, and uh, Nintendo did it too. Yeah. Because there, it's long known that there's a psychological completion factor when you manage to get your account to zero, people feel like they're done playing. Yep. Like, so oh, I got my account to zero, so I can stop now. Now, that said, a lot of these games do things better. Like, I don't want to say better because I don't know how Overwatch is going to do it, but I'll use League of Legends as an example. Everything in the game you can get by playing, even the skins. You can unlock every character, you can unlock every skin, you can unlock every companion, every emote, everything just by playing the game. Rocket League is mostly the same way as well. Um, mostly. 
there are some things that you have to buy loot boxes for or that you have to earn in a battle pass. Uh, but that's not the case with games like uh, Fortnite. Fortnite specifically has things you can only get by purchasing through the store. I have a feeling that the current installation uh, at Blizzard Activision is looking at specifically Fortnite and seeing how they do monetization and how much money Epic is raking in and saying we can do that too. So I would not, I would be very surprised if it is not a special currency. Um, okay. Uh, I don't have anything else to say on it because I think Joe <laughs> pretty much said anything I would say. Uh, I think we should also mention that there's a new beta test coming out uh, June 28th, according to the, the email. Again, Liz sent this. So. Um, so we don't know about the last launch hero. Right? Because I know about Sojourn and we know about Junker Queen, but we don't know about whoever number three is going to be. Yeah, when they released the seasonal info, they also said that there were going to be three heroes at the first season. Three new heroes with the first season, which will happen at lunch. And we only know about two of them. I, I, I keep saying and my, my, my fan theory is going to be true and we're going to get to see 70, Soldier 76's dad, really old Soldier 76, <laughs> Soldier 1776. <laughs> then they you know then that got ruined people so i don't know maybe we, we get a canadian hero in sojourn so I, I don't expect another canadian hero so who knows who knows what we'll uh but that's pretty much it on for the the event last thursday the uh the the overwatch event i do think i, I want to point out we one of the things that we actually know from two weeks ago but i i wanted to talk about it in more depth because they put out a, a dev water cooler on it um diablo 4 does its quarterly updates and when they did the Necromancer reveal, they shortly after posted a quarterly update that, that talked about the, the Necromancer in depth. Have either of you looked at it? I mean, I, I assume oh, one of you edited it. A little so. bit, a little bit. Um, Joe, have you looked at it at all? Not really. Okay. What's interesting to me is that one of the things you'll see in the Yaba 4 class design is that every class seems to have a unique mechanic that it is built around. The like Barbarian a resource has- question mark? No, no. It's like the Barbarian has the arsenal system where they have two weapons that they're dual wielding and one bigger weapon that they have as like a two-handed weapon and they switch between them to do certain moves. Like the version of of Hammer of the Ancients that you get in Diablo 4 uses the big two-handed weapon. You like you literally put your your dual wields away, pull that thing out and smash it on the ground. And it's it's a, a system that allows for flexibility because it all switches on the fly. So your abilities constantly, you will basically, as a barbarian, you will have three weapons equipped at all times. You will have one big two-hander and two smaller one-handers. They will always all be equipped. So that's that's the unique mechanic of the barbarian. They're basically just a bristling hedgehog of weaponry. <laughs> um, the, the druid has the shapeshift versus summoning mechanic. And, you know, it's like, do you do you shift into animal form or do you summon animal forms? Uh, you know, or do you just, you know, straight up cast, use nature energy? The rogue has their kind of exposed weakness thing that they're working on, which is based around fluid switching between range to, to melee. Like, you'll fire some arrows, maybe blind or confuse your enemy, get in close, stab them a lot, and then roll back out and shoot them some more. It's kind of like a boazon, but with more of an uh, an aggressive back and forth to it. Like one minute you're up in melee, the next minute you're out. I, uh, the, the sorceress, I couldn't tell you. I, I, I read it. I remember reading it, but I don't remember what it is to talk about <laughs> it. But the necromancer has the book of the dead and the book of the dead. Um, 
what's really fascinating about this idea is that you you basically as you go on you'll like you'll start off you'll get your first undead summon like it'll be a skeletal warrior then you can get different kinds of skeletal war. like you can get a, a skeleton archer or a skeleton uh guardian or a skeleton you know you know aggressor and that changes the kind of skeletons you can summon and then they have like the skeletal mages and they can have like fire summoning or what have you and then there's golems and there's a variety of different types i was watching an interview that uh, rod ferguson did um with ign where he's talking about you'll be able to summon iron golems if you want to that's a kind of golem that a necromancer will be able to summon. I mean, it makes sense. All, Iron sleeps yeah. in the sleep sleeps in the earth. Why not? Yeah, and I think it's also related to blood. You know, iron blood, blood and life, all that. But one of the interesting things is that you so you'll you'll be able to have what they call the army playstyle, where you'll have like a lot of of skeletons and corpses and big golems following you around, attacking everything that you want dead. But you don't have to do that. Because with the Book of the Dead, you can basically go up to the entry on, say, Skeleton Warrior, and you can check it off, and then you don't get it. And instead, you get a buff and a bonus to certain abilities. And you could do that for just some of them, or for all of them, or for just one of them. Like, you could only have, you could have just one thing you summon, and everything else has been turned off and converted into bonus power for you. So you're like a walking, blood draining, bone throwing maniac who just happens to have one guy with an axe following him around. Or you can have half as many summons and buff, like, you know, half, buff less stuff, but more stuff, you know, every one you trade in, you get a buff to your abilities. Or you could literally trade them all in. And just, you know, focus heavy on the magic. And they have, like, a variety of different kinds of damaging spells. They have curses, because they brought that back. But they also have, like, the bone, blood, and darkness spells. Each of them has a different flavor in terms of how it works. But they're all basically, like, they each have, like, a, a different kind of AoE setup and a different kind of crowd control or damage negation. Like, the blood one in particular... Um, it's basically the, the shadow priest ability. I can never remember what it's named, but the one where they basically just turn into a cloud and you can't hurt them. Dispersion. Dispersion. Yep. Yeah. It's like dispersion, except that they turn into a cloud of blood. They're literally like a big cloud of misty blood. And then you, you, you try hurting them. It won't do much. And then they turn back and they can basically yank all the blood out of everything around them and then explode it back out in their faces. So it's gross. I mean, uh, let's be upfront. The Necromancer Diablo 4 is going to be the grossest Necromancer ever. <laughs> it's all exploding corpses and blood fountains and bone shards in people's faces. But it is, it's interesting because that Book of the Dead mechanic, you really can customize how your Necromancer approaches this. Are you dealing death through sheer like magical force? Are you like using the power of life and death to kill enemies or are you, you know, are you surrounded by a ramshackle assemblage of half dead bodies that, that obey your will because you're just that profane and you can, you can mix and match how you want it to work. You could just have one big iron golem following you around. You know, you don't have to have like 12 guys, but you can, you can actually have like I was in, and there are magical items that boost this. Like Rod Ferguson was talking about how in in his his testing of the game, he was playing a necromancer and his necromancer got a pair of magic boots that allowed him to summon two more skeletal mages. So he's wandering around with like five of them. Um, and it's just, it's really interesting. Uh, there's also some stuff about legendaries and so on, but that's not really important for this discussion. It, it is, it's interesting to see how they've got these classes all set up to go in different directions. 
Like the necromancer is never going to really match the sorcerer and pure magic throwdown ability. Like the sorceress has that. She, like that's her deal. Um, but the necromancer is basically a really good backup caster and can basically tank everything for you. So you don't have to have a barbarian or druid if you don't want to. It, it's really interesting. Like the, the way each seems to have their own niche and their own mechanic that they're built around. So that's basically all I, I we really got a chance to look at. Um, Liz, you're the one of us who's played Arclight Rumble, right? Like you're you're actually yeah yeah. Can you can you talk about the the leveling enhancement stuff? Like you don't have to go into too much detail. Just I've heard nothing about it. I, I've got the post from our site I was looking at, <laughs> and I thought our readers might be interested. Um yeah. So basically, you know, you have your character, your player has a level, so like you have an overall level. And all of the troops you collect, all of the different units you collect, each of them have levels. And uh, there are also abilities, that uh, talents that your different troops can have. So, I mean, the best way to level is you earn experience by doing combat and doing quests. So basically, to level up, you play the game. Easy. You're gonna as you do that, you're gonna level your troops, and as your troops level up, your player character, like you, will level up. Now, what gets trickier is uh, collecting these character, collecting all of these units, which cost gold. Now, gold is a little harder to come by. It is an in-game currency. It's not real money, but uh, you know, you get gold by either doing quests, and you get three quests a day you can do. Or defeating new uh, bosses. You can defeat each boss a certain number of times to get gold rewards. And after that, the boss is done. You're done. You've got to move forward. You can't just keep killing the same one over and over. And so you get your gold and you spend your gold on buying new units or on buying experience for your existing units. So you can level them up so they become more powerful and you become more powerful. And uh, the tricky thing with advancing in Arclight Rumble, in my experience so far, is there are kind of some hard difficulty walls, at least the game as it stands. And I should stress, it is in beta, but you kind of hit these walls where it's just really difficult to advance. So you're just kind of grinding these same quests over and over, and there are only so many quests a day, and it's like you've gotten to this point and you can't get any farther, and it gets a little tedious. Now, Arclight Rumble is a free-to-play game. So, of course, you can also buy gold and buy experience. And I think what worries me about this is that it's very tempting when you hit this wall to say, okay, if I spend $10, I can level up all this stuff, and then I'll be great. I'll be great. I'll be able to get past this boss, and I'll be able to move on. So I'm really concerned about... Is the game designed to be fun enough that you want to keep playing, but also to have these walls that are really frustrating? So you also want to spend money because that's uh, the the leveling experience feels a little uneven right now. And I'm not sure if is that intentional or is that something they're going to fix and smooth out? But for the most part, you can play without spending any money. You just, you play the game and you earn experience. You level everybody up. And as you defeat new bosses, you earn some gold and you use gold to buy new troops. And you can also buy talents for your troops at 
as when you get to a certain point in the game, you unlock talents, which I have not gotten to because I've hit this wall at the end of Ashenvale, which is just this really hard boss that just instantly murders me every time. Maybe one day I'll get past it, but uh, I don't know. All right. Uh, thank you for basically making me not so upset I didn't get into the beta. Um, not that that sounds bad exactly. Uh, I'm pretty used to that monetization, but at the same hmm. time... Yeah, it's not weird. I don't necessarily like it. it that's yeah. the thing. is, Whenever I have these discussions with people, I end up having discussions with people who are so vitriolically against it that I'm like, dude, dude, where were you like for the past 10 years? This has been the way it has been yes. for a while. That doesn't mean you're wrong. It just just calm down a little bit. You don't have Shit. to be spitting at me. And I was I was thinking the other day about horse armor. Do y'all do y'all oh, remember yeah. horse armor? I remember that. It's, good old, good it's old Oblivion. About a decade ago in Elder Scrolls Oblivion, they released this armor for your horse, which conveyed no gameplay benefit and cost, I think it was two dollars. And everyone just flipped out this useless horse armor it's so expensive what's even happening why are these greedy companies charging us for this useless armor and it's like oh wow those were the innocent days when it was horse armor we were upset about and now they're designing entire games around getting us to spend money on many many microtransactions yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I do I, think there is a lot to, to not like about that. But Oh, yeah. There is a lot. That, for one I thing, say, the thing you just said about the game, mm -hmm. the, yeah. the fact that it doesn't, like you hit points where you feel like nothing I do matters. I might as well spend the money because I'm not getting through this. That is not good design. That, that I, do I don't think like so. That. But the thing is, the game is actually really fun to play. So you hit these walls and it's like you really want to keep going. And I don't know if that's because they haven't evened out the leveling experience or because it's intentional. So we're going to see how it develops before release and see if mm -hmm. maybe that gets better. Maybe it doesn't. Yeah, I, I should push the button when I try and talk. All right. Uh, <laughs> at this point, though, I think we're going to move on to doing some emails. Oh, I do want to mention uh, something else. Um, the uh, summer, summer Games Done Quick is also this weekend coming. Yeah, um, they've been doing a lot of lot of summer games festival type stuff. A lot of various companies doing their little press releases and so forth. Uh, a lot of news has been coming out, and of course, more will be. Since Joe just went, yeah, I'm going to ask him anything for that. You're looking forward to? I haven't looked at the schedule yet, but I love it. I absolutely, it's one of my favorite times of of year, uh, particularly the summer games done quick because that's when they do a lot of, like odd games. And that's what I'm here for. I love like the weird games that I forgot existed until I see a run going and I just go, oh, I remember this. It wasn't a fever dream. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that. Uh, Liz, anything you're think, looking forward to from it? Uh, I have not looked at the schedule yet, but I, I basically got into Games Done Quick because of Mitch, which I don't know. I kind of don't want to admit that, but it was Mitch. It was Mitch. It was Mitch's fault or Mitch I should be grateful to because it's so much fun watching these people speedrun games. And it's just, it's incredible how some people can tear through these things. Uh, I think last time there was a Dragon Age Inquisition playthrough in like 30 minutes. I forget. It was like outrageously quick. And I just watched them and like my eyes gradually get bigger and bigger because it's just outrageous how they pull these things off. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised about the uh, the in, the Inquisition one. Although thirty minutes is still really fast because the cutscenes don't want to let you through. 
Yeah, uh, like they're yeah. using every trick, every like bug, everything that you can use to like get through things and shave off like seconds here and there, and then they just zoom. There's a couple I'm going to mention because I'm fascinated to see them when they come out. The first is at 11 a.m. the first day, I believe they're doing, this is Sunday, uh, so it might not be the first day. It actually might be the second day. No, no, it seems to be the first day. Um, Shadow of the Colossus is getting a, a run through. And I I want to see the Shadow of the Colossus. It is. Have you never seen the speed run before? I've not seen one in a while. Ooh, uh, yeah. It's gotten real, real good. Yeah, they, there's some... I'm interested in seeing how fast they can get that. Um, there's a perfect dark one at 10 PM. Like I haven't seen perfect dark played in years. And I got to do a yeah. speed run of it. That's interesting. That is uh that is the second time they've done that. And I want to say a year cause they do, yeah, and, they do a few, but, but then there's a classic good old bubble bobble part two. It's if you remember bubble bobble, you'll know why I'm interested. Yeah. In that. I love that game. Um, there's altered beast. Uh, at six eleven a.m. on Monday, it's not going to be um, the it's not going to be the Alter Beast you you're thinking of. No, I know it's not. It's it's, it's going to be the else. remake Alter Beast that they that yeah. they tried to release at the beginning of the 3D uh, Brawler era. Yeah, I, I knew it wasn't going to be the original because the original that would just be funny. Yeah. Um. There's one. There's a Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance. I've never seen Harmony of Dissonance played, but I've heard good things. Uh, and of course, you know, Link's Awakening because you got to do a Zelda. So yeah, there's actually a lot here. Silent Hill 4, um, Outlast, if you're into that. Um, a lot of people Ooh, are. Blaster so. Master. Yeah. So it does look like it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's going straight for like a week here. It's it's they, Yeah, they always do a week. It's, it's going straight up to the next Sunday. Um, so there's going to be an Elden Ring one on Saturday near the end. So if, you, That's if you've been be playing Elden Ring. Yeah. I'm so. looking for... Yes. I'm, I'm definitely going to be watching that one well, because I... I'm very bad at Elden Ring. It's, yeah, it's, and isn't it wild to see a game that you're terrible at and you see someone just blaze through it and you're like, oh my God, yes. he's like a different person. Yeah. So <laughs> the interesting thing is like, this is a, a category called All Remembrances, uh, which is the Boss Souls. <laughs> uh, so it's literally a speed run of doing every single boss that drops a remembrance in the game and they're targeting two hours. That is ridiculous. I cannot wait to lose my mind. Um, last last one they did, Mitch and I were going absolutely bonkers because they were doing um, Sekiro blind. And I made the comment that like I didn't even I couldn't finish that game. It's the only from software game I've never finished. And dude just beat it blindfolded. And I'm just like, I'm, <laughs> I'm bad at games, man. I'm bad at games. I'm just I haven't seen a Bayonetta yet. Bayonetta and Bayonetta 2 have been some of the funniest uh, speed runs I've ever seen. I love Bayonetta. So I was hoping to see one of those. But yeah, that's happening. Uh, it starts um, this Sunday, I believe. If you're listening to this recording on the usual time we release on the site, Sunday this week, it, it'll be out. So you should definitely go check that out because it's a fun time. It's it's cool to see people do things that you just don't even think possible. One of my favorite ones of all time is watching the Doom developers watch somebody do Doom Eternal in like 20 <laughs> minutes. Yep. And they're like, how did he do that? So, yeah, that's always fun. But at this point, we're going to move on and actually use some emails because <gasps> we haven't done that in two weeks. Oh, somebody's running an Infernix. Sorry, please. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Um, if you have a question for the show, uh, you can email it to us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast and blizzardwatch. And I promise you, I do look and I, I do put them in the email and we are going to even get some today. Uh, I know it's been a while. Uh, if you don't want to email us, but you have our discord or are interested in going to our discord, 
Uh, there's two channels, one for patrons. So if you're a patron, go to patron Q and podcast questions. And we look there first because I mean, you guys make doing the site possible and we, we appreciate it. Um, and if you're, you know, can't be a patron because we understand money's tight. Uh, the world is crazy. Uh, wow. Expansions are going up 10 bucks. We, we get that the, that money is not something everyone can throw around. We do still have a uh, Q and podcast questions channel for non-patrons. Uh, so if you want to ask a question, you can always put it there and if we, we will eventually get around to looking at it. Absolutely. Uh, usually we do the thing where I, I dither about which one of you guys is going to read these questions. So this week I'm just going to say it's Joe. Okie dokie. Uh, this one comes from Aaron. Uh, or Aaron. I don't know if this could be a key and peel sketch. I'm not sure. He, he has a pronunciation guy at the bottom of the question. Oh, Arohan. Yeah. Look at that. It's at the end. It helps if I read ahead folks. So Arohan, uh, I'm doing the quest line to unlock the Volpera, and about a third of that quest line is essentially union busting, culminating in beating up the union organizer. What are some other quests that leave you with a sour taste in your mouth, and would you want them removed or changed? Um, you and I have a very different understanding of what was happening with the Volpera thing. You were literally freeing them from slavery. I'm not sure that's the same as union busting, but... Liz? It's been way too long since I played that quest to comment on it. Um, the goblins. It's always goblins. It is. It usually is goblins. I mean, there are some things that are taken so much for granted as normal that, yeah, you get some weird content when you start thinking about it. I mean, particularly unions, it's real, real common for big companies to just crush unions. And so content like that, I think it just it's kind of normalized because we just there's kind of been a long time a, a backlash against unionization in this country. And uh, that does mean we consume some content that just assumes like, oh, unions bad. This is totally normal. But in this context, it has been years since I played through that quest. So I don't know. I will say that um, I have an answer to, is there a quest that left a sour taste in my mouth? And this one goes back to Wrath of the Lich King. Uh, there's a quest line where you you go to the Borean Tundra and you're basically charged by the Kirin Tor to find a leader of the Blue Dragonflight allied mages and drag him back to uh, one of the Kirin Tor places. And when you get him there, they need to get information out of him. So they have you torture him. Yeah. And I'm like, excuse me? Um, I, I, I did not sign up to be torturing people. I mean, sure, I'd kill people, but at least they're dead then. Not, you know, and that's, that's not the same thing. Um, not, not down for the torture. But if you, if you don't do that, you can't progress in the quest. You just can't. It's, you torture the guy or nothing. You don't, you don't get any of the further follow-up quests. You don't proceed. You don't unlock this. And it was a pretty big chunk of XP and it's a pretty big chunk of the story of Borean Tundra. If I had like a, a genie in the lamp, there are so many things I would fix before this, like lots of really big, important things and then personal things. But if I could just, if the genie was like, you can only do something ridiculously trivial in world of Warcraft, I would be like, why are you even here? Why is a genie with all that cosmic? No, shut up. Just make the, the trivial wish. Okay. Okay. I would make it so your character can refuse to do this. Like just, there can be a, yes, I will torture him or no, I won't torture him. And if you want, if you don't torture him, the guy breaks free and you have to fight him and he cackles and boasts about their plan. And that's how you find out whatever. And, 
real quick, what? I'm going to walk something back real quick. Uh, Chad is reminding me. Yeah, I'm thinking of a completely different Volpera quest. So I apologize. Yeah, they definitely I've looked it up. They're definitely our union busting in that, which is weird. Sorry. Yeah. But um, I think that that quest with the torture has always been one that's bothered me. It's bothered me for years. Uh, and it is one that I would like them to change so that I don't have to torture people because um, that is not something I want to do. But that's, you know, that's that's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, what about uh, Liz? Did you get to answer this yet or? Um, you know, the one quest that has always bothered me is the, in the Death Knight starting area, you get to this point and like, you have to kill someone you used to know. Yep. And it's like, you just, there's no way out of it. It's like, you're a bad guy. And this is kind of how the game is stressing that you're a real bad guy. You're being mind controlled. And it's like, it's an effective storytelling tactic, but it's like, it never feels great. And it never feels great when you have to do these things without a choice, which is, of course, the whole point of the Death Knights is that you're here and you don't have a choice and you have to do bad things. But man, that that whole experience, it's when it was rolled out, it was like one of the most magnificent questing experiences in the game. And it's still really great. But it's like, wow, feels bad, man. Feels bad. There, There's a, a couple other bad ones, too. Like, uh, do you remember the quest with the... Uh, crane eggs where you had to go and steal the crane eggs and then murder them parents as they try to defend their children. Like there's a lot of that. in wow, <laughs> I could do without those uh, or the quest line where you were kidnapping Wolvar pups for the Tuscar. And don't get me wrong. I love Tuscar. That was questionable at best. Yo, go kidnap their kids. We're tired of this. What? <laughs> Like, it, what are you going to do with the kids? Yeah. Then none of that is ever really, they don't talk about that. There's nothing. There's there's a lot of of weird ones, um, or or I guess I should say questionable ones. Uh, there's the one in I want to say it's Borean Tundra, where you use uh, I think it was like a needler or something like that. Basically, you go up to an imprisoned mage and you rip locations out or basically interrogate him with psionic drill bits until he gives up a location of an NPC. I think that's the one I was talking about. Yeah. Was it, is that it? Cause there's a bunch, be. cause there's a bunch of torture ones. It, it is awful. Like there's in is also in the, in the death Knight starting zone. There's one where you get a couple of flaming hot pokers and you repeatedly stab a guy until he tells you where the, uh, Scarlet crusade are that, that one's like, okay. There's, um, the, the Thistle crow, uh, slash harpy quest in cataclysm where you are torturing a harpy for information and they do give you a choice to save or kill. But if you save the, uh, the harpy Thistle crow is like incredibly cold to you and like super disappointed. Yeah. There's, there's some weird stuff where I, I'm sorry, there's like a torture thing going on and I don't like it. Anything with torture needs to be just taken right out. Uh, you could also say a lot of horde quests in, um, Miss Pandaria just really mm -hmm. not feeling good in and a lot of this comes down to not having any player choice. It's like just you're playing horde and Garrosh is calling the shots and you got to do what Garrosh says even when it's super terrible and you hate it because you can't advance through the game otherwise. Um, Plus it's, it's not even helped if you play if you play alliance you still do a lot of terrible stuff, but also Alliance oh players get to go to fight the horde people who aren't the horde PCs and they're all maniacs. It's like 
I don't know if Garrosh like said, okay, half of the mission will be relatively reasonable people. The other half will be lunatics because it's, that's how it comes off. I, I'm sure the Alliance don't come off any better. It's just, yeesh. There, um, there's, uh, there's another one that I remember too, uh, Horde side that was just questionable. Uh, your, I think it was before Cataclysm. There was a quest in Undercity where there was a female Torn who was sick and you were sent. Oh, to I remember this. Yes. Yeah. This you were absolutely. Yeah. I did this. I did this Hold on, on a Torn. Let me finish this, this for everybody. I was on a Torn too at the time. Um, you were sent to go get a list of ingredients for the apothecaries to fix her. But when you come back, the quest giver uses it to kill her. He never actually said they were going to save her. It was just implied. And you were complicit in the murder of a sick torrent. Sorry, please. It was it was rough. There's a lot of stuff like that, man. Yeah, I remember that one because I actually wrote about that one all the way back in 2007. Yep. When we were at the other place. Um, and because, yeah, I remember that. That was, whoo. I was, I stood, I stood there for 10 minutes trying to find some way that I could kill that, that undead. Like my Torin had to have, there had to be a way I could kill him. And I, there wasn't, but yeah, that was, that was really bad. And that was, that was one of those ones where it's like, it isn't my fault, but I, now I feel like it's my fault. I did not like that. But, uh, unless either of you has anything else, I think we should probably move on. Yeah, I think we should move on. Let's try to be happier. Liz. Uh, yes. Let's carry forward. Well, you're up. You should be reading. <laughs> Uh, now I have to read. This is so much work. Uh, well, the next one is not so much a question, but a comment from Mithriac, who says... No, no, you're I skipping. Do- you're skipping one. Am I? Zool. Yeah. Oh. Zool's, Mithriac's response is to Zool's comment. So Zool asks a question, Mithriac responds, and then Zool comes back in. It's a package This deal. is so complicated. Okay, okay. From Zul, here's a fun one. When does enough patch X-Pack items become too many? 9.2 added so many random bits you need together. And then one of the slowest methods of gaining the necessary parts, moats to make the most of them. When is it just too much? Uh, I gotta say now. Now is too much. It's it's too much right now. I mean, the whole crafting in Xerath Mortis, I think is a really cool idea. But it involves so many components that come from so many different places, and some of them are so uncommon that I just, I have no idea what I can craft. I have no idea what to go and get. I just, I collect all of this crap in my bags, and it just stacks up, and then I go, and uh, I occasionally I go to the place where you can craft things to see if I can craft anything, and that's that's basically it. It doesn't feel like a crafting system it feels like a junk collecting system yeah i'm, I'm gonna agree with that xerath mortis was probably the worst it's been since moats like i honestly feel that there was so many things that you needed to have in your bags or in your bank or whatever i was super happy when we had the consumable stone soup uh to just throw like stuff into just so i could get it out of my inventory because like i wasn't going to do anything with most of it so yeah and then they make it so that there's like either no or very low sell rate to vendors. So, yeah, there's a there's a tendency in World of Warcraft, and it's been bad for a long time. Um, I remember I used to get into like competitions with other people who also had this problem of just having so much junk in my bags and unable to get myself to get rid of it because I might be able to use it, you know, for crafting. 
So I'm holding on to it, even though I'm never going to get enough to use it, or I'm never exactly. going to bother to, I'm never going to actually bother to level cooking all the way to the <laughs> point where I can make the, the feasts or the tables or whatever. So I'm carrying around like 16 legs of like some, some animal meat that I'm going to, you know, this expansion's version of beef. And it just, yeah, it's, I, I get why it happens. And yet there's, there's always that part where the new expansion is coming and suddenly you realize all this stuff I have in my bags is now worth absolutely nothing. And all I can do is vendor it for the pennies, like the, the, the coppers on a gold price that you get for vendoring it, or just jam it in one of your alts banks and leave it there. And then like in three months, you'll log that character on and go, oh my God, and then log right back off because you don't even want to try and deal with, the, with their, <laughs> their bags. Yeah, so, I yeah. uh I actually go through once an expansion, like at the beginning of an expansion, just to empty my bags of the stuff I'm never going to in the bank of what I'm never going to use again. And I marvel at how much bag space I get back. Like yeah. the the real problem is is that after a point I forget what I'm collecting these things for. Except I kind of I'm like, okay, but this might be useful. This might be for something that I really want to have that I've just forgotten about, so I should keep it anyway. And then my bank is just piled and piled with stuff. Stuff that has no use or identity, even. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. It's just weird. <laughs> wow, you, you got a hoarding problem. I mean, yes. Well, it's, I it's, it's WoW's fault. It's not my fault. It's just <laughs> WoW encourages all of this. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you don't want to be like I was. I remember throwing out... Uh, Back back in Burning Crusade, I remember the the prim, what were they called primal nethers, yeah. nether vortexes. Yeah, um, you needed a thing called like a, I think a nether vortex to make the the last version of the, the the big sword that I could make. But I didn't know that, so I just kept vendoring them. Or and then someone was like, "You put those in the auction house," so I put it in the auction house and I made a little gold for a while. But then I was like, "Oh, I should see what it takes to make that big sword." And I realized I had gotten rid of all the materials I would have already had the thing had I just, you know, realized I needed them. And since then it's been like, nothing gets thrown out ever until it's the next expansion. Uh, and even then sometimes I keep it. Audio makes a, a really good point in chat. If it's useful, it will be at the auction house. Just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, that's true. Even the old stuff, like as people do old content for transmog and stuff like that, people will just throw that on the auction house, usually for a pittance. So, like, you could always go back and get older stuff if you really want that sword or really want to make that mount. Uh, I may or may not have constructed all five of the uh, the lions. Uh, like, you can get them for cheap. So, But now that we've basically revealed that we're all basically addicted to holding on to you know, Chris Basilisk urethra. Um, <laughs> Joe? Yeah. Uh, the Immortals in the Shadows seem to be the new Diablo Immortal as, as Sanctuary Protectors. Uh, or seem to be new to Diablo Immortal as Sanctuary Protectors. Are they new to this era of the game? And if not, where else have we seen them? Any lore to shed more light on them would be much appreciated. And this is They're from our friend who has turned into a barbarian, Barsemi. Oh, Barsemi. Uh, I can tell you this much. Um, they are new, but they're also based in stuff we've seen in previous games. Uh, specifically, what we learned about Westmarch in Diablo 3 and how Rakis came to there to to build a city on the ruins of a previous city. And the previous, if you remember in Diablo three, when you're exploring the ruins to find Adria, you you realize you're in an ancient Nephilim city. And Rakis went there 
looking to, for clues to the, to the Nephilim. That's the whole reason Rockus came from Kedjistan to West March in the first place. He founded West March basically because he wanted to find out the secrets of the Nephilim. He wanted to find out why were our ancestors practically gods and we're just this. So the city he went to is the city that the characters you see in the Immortals and Shadows trailer were living in. Uh, it's their civilization is the one that fell, likely because of the Immortals Shadows cycle that they have going on. Um, but so yeah, they they've never appeared before in a Diablo game, but they are based in stuff we've seen before in Diablo games. That the whole thing in Diablo three about the Nephilim is very much part of what's going on there. So uh, if you guys have anything else to add, go ahead. I just wanted to jump in and and say I mean this I was this much. was a question for you like the entire time, man. <laughs> I got nothing else to add. All right, I, I guess that's it. Okay, we're uh, gonna call Liz, it there. You want to do? You know, we, we can do one more. Liz, you want to do the yeah. last question or the, the next question? Uh, okay. Hello, ice, ice babies. Too cold, too cold. It's corn again <laughs> with a question about Diablo Immortal. I know the game is set in twelve seventy, some five years after Lord of Destruction and Tyrael's choice to blow up the World Stone. But I'm confused about why it would be so bad if Scam if Scam gets his hands on. It, on a world stone fragment. I mean, is a little piece of the world stone as powerful as the whole thing was? And if so, why are we only hearing about it five years after the destruction of the original world stone? Have they all just been out there since this time and nobody noticed? Also, why does Skarn sound like he's uh, like he's our pervy uncle talking about our true kin and our sin and just creeping me the heck out? Thanks for any light you can shed on it. Corn, not that corn, I promise. Although I do need some skulls for my skull throne, <laughs> if you have any. I knew it. Next, you're going to ask for blood for the blood god. <laughs> I, I actually, mean, I, I know the answer to this, but if either you want to go. Yeah, you, you go with the actual answer because my knowledge of any lore is always pretty, pretty iffy. All right. Well, first off, when you meet Kane, uh, Deckard Kane, he basically tells you, that the only time they can detect the world stone fragments is when they're being used. Yeah. So someone has to find them and then start using them. And once that happens, he can detect them with a ritual that the Haradrim you're using. But he has and to the be ritual, using the ritual, right? Yeah. And the ritual is de it's derived from the ritual that they use to create the soul stones. Because soul stones are also pieces of the world stone. Um, yeah, the way that the way that I think about them is like they're just really powerful spell foci, right? Yeah. In this particular case, though, yes, every fragment of the world stone has the same power as the world stone. Really, that is, they're that yep. powerful? That's why. That's when you see them in use. It's not that they're not as powerful as the world stone. It's that their effects are limited to the person who has them. Yep. And what they can imagine them doing. Uh, so the first person you fight with a fragment is basically just trying to bl to blow you up. Um, but the second person actually has a plan and is using the world stone fragment to achieve that plan. The third person is doing something even weirder with it. He's trying in the fourth one's trying to raise a dead brother. And when Skarn gets it do, at this point, it's going to be spoilers for Diablo Immortals and end plot. So I'm now going to give you a few seconds. If you don't want to hear the, move on, uh, come back in like five minutes. When Skarn gets the world stone, you find out that what he's trying to do is the opposite of what Malthiel tried to do in Diablo three. Malthiel wanted to kill all of humanity because we had demon 
ancestry. Skarn wants to rip the angel ancestry out of us, leaving us all pure demon. He literally is turning people into demons. And he wants to make, he's using, of all things, he's using that light, the holy light that it resides in every human. He's using it as a power source to create his army of demon people. So he's actually drawing it out and using it as fuel. And he even converts it, he converts an angel using the world stone as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's using the world stone inside one of the primeval skulls. His final base is actually the body of Diablo. The original body of Diablo. As I look over and see the shard of the uh, the World Stone shoved into Diablo's skull that originally shipped with Diablo Three Collector's Edition, because yep. that was a thing. Yep, that the Soul Stones were all World Stone pieces. Yep. So yeah, it is as powerful. It is really bad if Scarn gets his hands on it. He he can't do what Inarius did with the World Stone and make a whole world, but he can use its power to give himself what he's looking for. It's like the scale is different, but the power is the same. Uh, but in terms of why we only hear about it now is because when the thing blew up, the pieces went everywhere. And it's not like those pieces are, they don't, they're just little rocks unless you get it out and really look at it. And they went everywhere in the world. Some of them are probably in the ocean. We're not going to see those for a while. Well, also, so, yeah. I mean, you also got to think about it too. Like folks that come across them and do anything with them have just as much possibility of blowing themselves up that they well, yeah, are and, doing something else with it. Right. And it's also stated that like a lot of people can't do anything with them. Yeah. They're not, they're not able to attune to it or whatever the case is. Yeah, They don't have, they don't have any power or they're not like, you know, they, they don't have any drive. They're not like the, one of the people you find is trying to get his dead brother back and his entire life is built around that need. So he's got something to, to fuel him onward. The average farmer finds this thing and it's not like, you know, Oh, I've always wanted revenge on that rabbit. <laughs> I mean, maybe just, it is. I'm know. just thinking of Bill Murray and ground and um, uh, Caddyshack. Yeah, yeah, that groundhog. Um, but yeah, so that's basically what's going on as best I can. You know, there's still some stuff I'm not quite up on yet, but that's that's the basics of it. That's why it is bad if Scorn gets it. Scorn yeah. gets it, and I think because he play- can literally use it much like. Uh, much like a reverse version of Malthiel with the Black Soul Stone, he's going to use it to turn all of humanity into demons. Yeah, that's and, what he wants to do. And I like the way that you put it, Matt. Where it's it's the power is the same, the scale is different, just because of the scale of the stone. Yeah, exactly. I like that. I like that a lot. But I think that's going to be it for our emails and questions. Uh, Indeed. Uh, unless, um, you yeah, know, no, we're, we're done. So uh, at this point, I am, I'm going to ask Joe to do the thing I always ask Joe to do and take a quick break to drink something while he does. <laughs> a Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance of having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ad-free site experience. As a reminder, those of us at Blizzard Watch do continue to stand with the employees of Activision Blizzard as they work to further progress unionization uh, in their efforts to demand change for a better tomorrow and a safer work environment. Again, congratulations to Raven QA. Uh, do the thing. We're proud of you. Keep going. All right. Thanks, Joe. Um, again, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. If you've got a question for the show, now that we're actually answering them again. Um, oh, and by the way, uh, I have to look up really fast. Strom, I'm sorry I didn't talk about that Sabercat skull. I've wanted to talk about it for three weeks, and I just keep forgetting. I'm sorry. Okay. 
If you've got a question for the site, uh, the podcast here, or for any of our other podcasts, you can email it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of blizzard watch. So we know it's for this show and we're going to do another tavern watch at some point, And it would be great if you asked us some questions for that as well, guys, seriously, tavern watch is so fun. Um, or you can go to our Discord server, and we have the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel where you can leave questions there. Again, they can be for Tavern Watch. Stuff's <laughs> happening. Uh, or you can go to our you know, just our Q and Podcast Questions channel for non-patrons. Same deal there as well. Um, we love to get questions. Some some weeks are real busy. It's been kind of unexpectedly hectic the past few weeks. Like I don't think any of us were expecting as much news as we've been getting. Uh, no. Nope. So. It was but not news, anticipated. News is good for us. Oh yeah, it's good. News is good. I'm just saying it's like usually in the, in the past it's been very much a not much until August thing, like Gamescom, then Blizzard BlizzCon, and so forth. Now they're just doing it as they do it, and so we're we're getting more more events and so forth. So it's it is interesting, and we are doing our best with it. But yeah, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, thank you as always to Liz and Joe who for coming along and making this a podcast where I'm not just talking to myself for an hour because that literally would just be about dinosaurs. There'd be no escape. Um, also, it wouldn't be recorded because Joe does the recording. So I would basically just be streaming myself talking about dinosaurs. <laughs> wow, this is getting less and less compelling by the second. Anyway, again, thanks to both of them for being here. Thanks to you for being here because again, without you, it's just us talking to ourselves and, and not that it's not fun to talk to them, but I mean, for an hour, we, we're all hungry. I'm pretty sure. And tired. So yeah, you make this show worth doing. You make it your, why we do it. Thank you so much for being here with us and we'll see you next week. podcast right now oh no i'm passing out right now